thank you that we, we know we have what we need. We know, we know what we know because you give it to us, God, in the right timing. And we thank you for that this morning. We pray that you're blessed by our worship this morning and our praise. Help all the distractions and the stresses and the heat, everything, God. Just take it away. Maybe worship you, God. Maybe bring you glory, Lord. May we encounter your, your love and your presence, God, this morning and every single day of our lives. What, what we're doing with this preview service is it's actually a preview not for once a month, but a preview just for next week. Because next week we're rolling right into Sunday morning services and we're just going to start right here and keep going. We're considering this our soft opening. So for the next two months, we'll welcome people and then maybe two months down the road, we'll have like sort of a grand opening. Um, we're here for 11 weeks in this particular building. And we knew there would be a few challenges. One today is that there's no AC. Uh, but be encouraged, because churches around the world are meeting without air conditioning. Uh, I used to go to Africa once a year in West Africa. And if you're a pastor in West Africa, you gotta wear a suit with a clergy collar. So there's nowhere for the air to go. And uh, they have church for three hours. And there's no AC. So um, be encouraged. It's not as hot or, or bad as it could have been. But we're going to be here for 11 weeks, and we're hopefully going to have AC next week. But I'm glad you're here. We're starting today a new sermon series from the book of Romans chapter 8. We're going to spend four weeks in Romans chapter 8. And we're calling it, uh, the, the series we're calling it Vision, Seeing and Savoring the Promises of God. And I'll talk a little bit about Romans chapter 8. Miss Angel, would you come on up here? Uh, I'm going to read in English, and she's going to read in, in Spanish. One of the things we believe as God's blended family is that we have to be continually building bridges through language, through musical styles, through who comes up and leads us. And so um, even though I think everyone here speaks English, we think it's important to set a pattern early of inclusiveness so that people can participate with us. So in light of that, would you be willing to read Spanish first? This is where I go, check, check. <laughs> Ahora, pues ninguna condenación hay para los que están en, en Cristo Jesús. Los que no andan conforme con la carne, sino conforme con el Espíritu. Porque la ley de, del Espíritu de vida en Cristo Jesús me ha librado. Que en Cristo Jesús, Señor nuestro. La palabra del Señor. Thanks be to God. All right. Now, yeah, we can clap. We're excited. It's fun to read God's word. Let me read to you now in, uh, in English. So it's a selection from Romans 8, and we're going to start with verse 1 and then just kind of jump around. But Romans 8 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus, from the law of sin and death. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. 
For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Father God, be with us this morning as we dig into your word. We pray that we might leave having learned something new about you and about your son Jesus and that that what we've learned might not just be information, but it might be something that changes us deeply and helps us to live differently and love more boldly. In your name, amen. All right. Let me ask you guys a question as we think about this series called Vision, Seeing and Savoring the Promises of God. I want to ask you, do you have vision? Do you have vision to see what God is holding out for you? Are you able to see what God is holding out for you to grasp onto and make your own? I want to tell you about a a story about someone who had something held out to them, but he decided to hold out. He had something great held out to him, but he decided to hold out and not grasp onto it and not make it his own. In 1944, a young Japanese soldier named Haru Onodo left Japan, traveled with the Japanese Imperial Army to the Philippines to fight there against the Allied forces. Once he was there, the Allied forces pretty quickly took over that island. And just a year later in 1945, you know that Japan surrendered. Everyone in Japan surrendered, except Haru Onoda. Haru Onoda stayed on that island in the Philippines, and he couldn't grasp on to the fact that the war was over. He continued to believe that this was some sort of trick and that the war was continuing. And so he stayed out in the jungle on that island on the Philippines and continued to fight. Well, 1945 became 1946, which eventually became 1947 and 1948 and all the way to 1950. And five years after the war had ended, Haru Onoda was still living in the jungle in the Philippines, fighting a war that had ended five years earlier. But 1950 became 1955, which eventually became 1960, 1965, 1970, all the way to 1974. 30 years after the war ended, Haru Onoda stayed in the jungle of the Philippines, not believing that the war was over, fighting. During that time, during that three decades that he was out by himself in the jungle, he killed over 30 Filipinos. Because from his perspective, he was doing the right thing. People dropped pamphlets. This guy became famous because they knew he was out there somewhere. somewhere. And they, they dropped pamphlets hoping that he would find them. And the pamphlets said, listen, the war is over. Grasp onto this. But he, he couldn't do it. He thought it was a trick. He had no vision to see what was being held out to him. Why? Well, maybe it was some sort of feeling he had inside. Maybe it just didn't feel right to him. He felt that the war was still going on, but the war wasn't going on. 
Maybe it was his thinking. Maybe he just thought, that doesn't make any sense. I, I, you know, I was told not to surrender, and so I'm not going to surrender. But this poor gentleman spent 30 years by himself holding out rather than grasping what was being held out to him, the end of war. We're going through Romans 8, and Romans 8 is one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. Many people say if they only had one chapter in the Bible that they could have, it would be Romans 8. And one of the reasons is, is because people believe that Romans 8 is a summary of the entire Bible in 39 verses. So it packs a deep punch. But what I want you to do is I want you to think about yourself as Haru Anoda. I want you to think about yourself being held out something great. And the question for you is, are you going to grasp onto what's being held out to you in Romans 8, or are you going to hold out? Because there are some amazing promises that God makes his people in this chapter. And they're for you. And all you have to do is grasp onto them by faith and make them your own. Will you hold on or will you have vision to see what's being held out to you? And will you grasp onto it or will you hold out? Will you hold out? Today we're going to do a flyby of those promises. We're going to cover the entire chapter briefly. And then over the next three weeks after, we're going to dig down into each promise and really unpack what it means and unpack what God has promised to you. But let me ask you, do you have vision to see what God is holding out for you? Many of us live under a black cloud, a black cloud of condemnation. You see, we are so confused about who we are and what gives us value and what gives us worth and where to find our identity that we, are, we struggle to know who we are and how to, how to define ourselves. So we often wonder, what is God's posture towards me? I mean, I know who I am. I know I love God. I know I want to follow God. But what is God's posture towards me? Is he constantly looking down at me in disapproval because I'm aware of my failures and he has to be aware of my failures. So is he constantly disapproving of me? Why do we feel that? Why do we wonder that? Well, some of that's actually us holding on to reality because you and I come into the world, we're born into the world at odds with God. We're born into the world at odds with God. We come out of the womb saying, me. We come out of the womb saying, me. Not, not God, but me. I want to please me. And as we grow up, we find ourselves embracing our vision for life rather than embracing God's. Me. The Bible calls that sin. And it's a rejection of God as the center of all things. You and I live with ourselves as a sinner rather than God. And to God, that is deeply offensive because he has created us to be in a relationship of harmony and peace and love with him. And we come out of the womb shaking our fists saying, my way. God doesn't overlook that. He evaluates each person's rejection of him and he measures it against his vision for life. And he determines that our rebellion and our rejection of him must be judged. There's three consequences to rejecting God. There's three ways that, that punishment comes to us. And the first is that we have a broken relationship with God. So we know about God. We know he's out there somewhere, but we're not really sure how to connect with him. We, 
If you listen, if you talk to 10 different people, they'll all tell you a different way that they think God exists because no one really knows him. But there was a time when humanity did. They walked with him face to face. And the second way is that physically we are broken within ourselves. Not only do we wrestle with our identity and we wrestle with shame, but our bodies and souls become separated when we die. And that was never meant to happen. But that's part of the consequence of our rejection of God. And if we die in that state, we risk spending eternity apart from God. Now, I realize that even that sounds foreign, right? Because as I talk with people out in the community, what they tell me is, look, keep your Christianity over there because I'm a good person and I do good things. And I know, I actually know a lot of good people. I know a lot of people who are probably better than I am. When I found out that the AC was off this morning, I was not very pastorly. You do good. You might be a good person. But whose standard are you good by? Are you good by your own standard or are you good by God's standard? I mean, Haru was out there in the, in the, in the jungle for 30 years doing good by his perspective, which meant killing innocent civilians. He was convinced that he was doing good by his own standards. And I think that helps us in our own perspective to realize, look, we might do good, but it's always according to our standards. Even when we do things that aren't bad, we say, well, I did a bad thing, but I did it for a good reason. And we justify ourselves. What I want you to see is this. You and I are born into the world rejecting God, and that's offensive to him, and he judges us because of it. And that's where the black cloud comes from. But God doesn't leave us there. God does not leave us enslaved under a black cloud of condemnation. God promises to you freedom in Christ Jesus if you'll only reach out and say help. God promises to us freedom in Christ if you'll only move forward and embrace it. You see, in God's love for us, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be a substitute for our sins. And Jesus, the Messiah, came and entered into this earth, fully God, fully man, perfect and sinless, yet can identify with us because he was weak as a human. And he was put on the cross and punished for you and I so that we would not have to be. And on the third day, he rose again. And you see, that's where the promise of freedom comes from. Because in Romans 8, 1, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's called the gospel, the good news. And it's everything that we're about here at New City. We center everything around the good news of Jesus that now there used to be a black cloud of condemnation, but because now we're in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. How much? A little bit? Less than before? No. No condemnation. None. Zero for anyone who is in Christ Jesus. It's not for an elite few. It's not for those who really have their Christian walk together, for those who pray daily, who read their Bible an incredible amount, who have awesome voices and can lead us in worship. No, it, it's no category except all those who are in 
Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so if you know Jesus, you have been set free from the black cloud. You have been set free from the black cloud that is over you, and God will never judge you because he has judged Jesus for you. And now he's your father. He'll correct you in love, but the judgment that you deserve has been put on Christ on the cross. And that promise is there for you to embrace, whether it's for the thousandth time or the first time. Freedom in Christ. The amazing thing about what God's promises in Romans 8 is not that just he calls us away from condemnation, but that he calls us into something. He calls us into his family. And that's the promise of position. The promise of position. Our position is that of children. It's that of becoming children of God. And that happens through adoption. Thank you. Some people would say, listen, we're all born God's children. And that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that those who have become in Christ, who have their backgrounds washed clean, who have no condemnation, then become legally God's children. I've told you a story recently about some friends of ours who were in Miami and they adopted a little girl. And the judge sat them down and said, listen, this little girl, she's about to become legally yours. Will you take care of her? And they said, we will. And he said, will you take care of her physically? And they said, we will. And they said, will you feed this girl? And they said, we will. Will you take care of her spiritually? And they said, we will. And then he said, well, what about when she becomes a teenager? And everybody laughed and she said, we will, we will take care of her. And that's a great picture of what God does for us in adoption. We legally become his. And he takes care of us. We have a promise of position as sons. Now, I don't say daughters because the text only says sons, and here's why. It's not because the Bible pushes daughters or women down. It's because the Bible wants to raise women up. You see, in this time when Paul's writing this letter, the son had a special position in the house, and that position was one of an heir to the father. Daughters did not have that position. But what Paul is saying is that in Christ, both men and women get the prestigious place of son in their relationship with God. Both men and women who aren't qualified to be in relationship with God become his sons or his children. And that means they have an intimate relationship with him. You know, Paul uses languages like, we cry, Abba, Father. That's language of intimacy, of prayer, of, of going and sitting on your father's lap and, and letting him know everything about yourself. But we also get this, this privileged status where it says that we're heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ. In other words, God is not holding anything out on us. Everything that he has given to Christ, we have a right to. And so as you and I go through life thinking, you know, how can we get God's attention or maybe God's holding out on us, we need to remember the promise of position. 
There's nowhere higher you can go with God. You can't, if you know Jesus, you can't earn your way any closer because in Christ, he has given you this unbelievable position as a child of God. And it's so important to God that you recognize this, that part of the Spirit's work in you is to convince you that you're a child. In other words, part of what the Holy Spirit does in living in you is to testify inside of you as you see yourself becoming more like Christ that you are, in fact, God's child. Because if you're like me, you forget. The AC goes out and you start complaining, God doesn't love me. Oh, he forgot about me. But the Spirit's there to remind you you are a child of God. And that changes everything for us. I mean, that changes our motives. That changes our motives because we no longer have to walk with God to get his attention or earn something from him because he's already given this promise of position to us. We can't grow any higher in our status. So rather than trying to earn something from him, we follow God because Jesus has earned something for us. So it affects our motives. Also, it, 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 it's a new power in our Christian life. If you look on our website, one of the things that we say is that we're empowered by the freedom of the gospel, that was promise one, but also by the joy of being children of God. Being a child of God is the very center of what Christianity is about. And if you grasp that, you are destined for a life of joy. Because there's nothing you can do to learn, earn your father's love, and there's nothing you can do to lose your father's love. And you have an unbelievable freedom to be completely honest with him about how sinful you really are, and he still will love you. And he'll still give you his presence. And he'll still bless you and is committed to walk with you. And we need that. We need that because if you and I are honest, deep down, if we go deep enough, we're suspicious. We're still a little suspicious of God. We like these ideas of freedom and we like these ideas of being God's children, but when the practical realities of life start coming out and life gets hard, and it doesn't just get hard, it gets dark, you and I become a little suspicious. We become a little suspicious of God. When we see how weak we really are, when we wonder why God has not answered our prayers, let's get honest. God, why haven't you answered my prayers? I've been praying and praying and praying. We begin to question why he allows difficult things into our life, and we become suspicious. And then some people will say, look, just keep pressing on. Blessing's right around the corner. You just got to keep going, and the blessing doesn't come. And then we go, what do we do wrong? Is God paying attention to me? Is this pointless? Is walking with God have a point? You know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have um, something called Back to Church Sunday. It's a Sunday where all across the United States, all the churches say, hey, you can come on back, you know, no condemnation, no questions asked. Walk in the door. And we're going to really try and promote that and reach out to people in our community. But my guess is there's a lot of people who left church because they didn't see the point. They got suspicious because things were happening in their lives that they couldn't 
they couldn't really figure out and God didn't really answer and so they, they walked away. Um, but if you're a follower of Christ, you have something that gives you perspective in the midst of what feels pointless. And that's the promise of purpose. The promise of purpose. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I am sure that nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We cannot always see it, but in Christ, anything that happens in your life is never a setback for his purposes for you. There's never a diversion from his plan. There's never something he doesn't see that happens that you're like, oh man, it's gotta be a mistake. Everything in your life is under his watchful care. Now, some of you go, wait a minute, I got more questions in it, and that's okay, we'll answer those in the coming week, we'll get to those. But after we finish through Romans 8, we're gonna spend some time looking at the story of Joseph. Because Joseph is this passage blown up. You know the story of Joseph where he, his life just keeps getting worse and worse and worse, and, but God's purposes are slowly building, and then towards the end of the story, they just explode. And at the end of that story, Joseph is like, wow, God was really here. They meant things for evil, but God meant it for good. And so I want to spend some time with that because throughout that passage, you keep hearing, the, 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 throughout that story, you keep hearing the phrase, God was with Joseph. And there was something about Joseph where he was actually able to embrace hard things that lasted years and years. I mean, there's times where he's in prison for years and it just like, and Joseph was in prison for like five years. You're like, that's it? Like, that's the narrative? He spent 365 days times five in jail and that's all we get. Yeah, yeah. Because life is painful. And yet that doesn't stop God's purposes from advancing both for you and in you. And so for us, as we read that everything works together for good, it, it, it helps us wrestle and embrace hard things. I'm, I've seen this on our team at New City. I've seen that you guys wrestle and embrace with hard things. Church planning's not easy. You get a lot of curveballs, and yet very few complaints have risen, and that's awesome. But also for that thing right now, personally in your life, that thing that you're wrestling with that's right there on my mind and your mind, whatever it is, to, to start to just trust in, in this promise that there is a purpose, it's not pointless. There is something that God is doing and I wish I could tell you what that is, but I can't. But to begin to say, listen, God will bring about good in your pain. He will. He doesn't know how to not do that. He's committed to use that for his purposes. He's committed to use it in you to make you more like Jesus. And here's the great news. We can be sure that God is for us. Because if God gave up his son to die for us, then we know he's not holding out on us. And if Christ rose from the grave and he ascended into heaven to the right hand of the Father, then he is representing us right now in the heavenly throne room, right now, praying for us in the midst of the trials that we're walking through. 
He's praying for us as we walk through those difficult, practical realities of life that make us want to quit. And nothing you're going through, there's no work of the enemy, there's no mistake you can make, there's, there's no evil that can be done to you that will separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So I want to ask you, do you have vision to see what God is holding out for you? It's right there. All you have to do is grasp onto it by faith and make it your own and make it your story. It's not easy, and that's why we're going to spend three more weeks unpacking these promises, but do you see it? Do you see it? Can you savor it, the promises of freedom, the promise of position, and the promise of purpose? They're all free for you in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we so thank you that you have um, given yourself freely to us. And we have these promises that we can hold on to. So I pray this morning, Lord, that you would strengthen our faith, that we would see more clearly who you are and what you have held out for us. And that even as we sing this last song, Lord, you might seal deeper in us the promises that you are holding out. May we leave the jungle, may we stop holding out, and might we make these things our own. In Christ's name we pray, amen.